when you hear we are already free, what comes up for you? Pure change. It's a shift in awareness. It's the ultimate truth, isn't it? Getting out of the matrix. We have a choice. Joy. Nature. I am more powerful than I realize I am. Human beings are so powerful. It's all there, like the answers are in. Being a conscious being. Spiritual beings living a human body experience. It's simple, it's here and it's now. You don't have to go out and find it. Eat real food. Just shining your light so bright. We're already free. You're free. You are You are a walking map. I've always been free. You are always free. Already free. We are already free. Are you aware of the AI revolution currently taking over the world? Maybe not the best choice of words. Do you feel terrified? Do you feel excited? Well, in this episode of the We Are Already Free podcast, I speak with Andre Pizzo, an expert in the field about the breakthroughs and limitations of things like AI and chat GPT. We discuss the potential outcomes of these technologies and how they could affect our lives. From the dangers of biased information to the power to rewrite history, this conversation will open your eyes to the possibilities and risks of AI. Welcome to We Are Already Free, the podcast empowering down-to-earth seekers to live their truth and be the change. I'm Nathan Maingard, transformational guide, empowering wordsmith. If you've realized you only get more of what you focus on and you're ready to live an authentic life with your fellow weirdos, let's shake off limiting beliefs and embrace the freedom within together. In this episode, Andre shares how to understand AI and ChatGPT for the person who has no idea what it is, why AI is woke, how to use ChatGPT to improve your personal and professional life, Later in the episode, we segue into Mastering Fasting, a book that Andre self-published after healing himself from multiple sclerosis. And as always, that barely scratches the surface of what we dive into, including why AI might be a baby god. Slightly worrying. A huge thank you to my sponsor for this episode, Zencaster, the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. I've saved countless hours since I moved over to their platform. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or already have a podcast, but maybe struggle with the time and the technicalities of getting good recordings, I personally recommend Zencaster. Zencaster's modern podcasting stack allows you to do everything you need for your podcast, from record to publish in one place. I particularly love how it allows me to record in the best quality, even though the internet connection in my off-grid solar-powered studio is not the most stable. It records tracks locally and then it uploads them for maximum backup and safety. If you've ever lost a recording, you know how much it sucks when that happens. So thank you Zencaster for solving that problem for me. Their automatic post-production saves me hours of work and makes me and the guests sound amazing. Go to Zencaster.com, that's Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code, we are already free, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Huge thanks to all the new patrons supporting the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the bonus videos. And yes, there is a great one for this episode too. You can find that plus links to Andre and the things we discuss all in the show notes at alreadyfree.me slash 35. Finally, big shout out and thank you for the new reviews on Apple Podcasts. I have loved reading them and they make a huge difference in getting the We Are Already Free message out to more people. Thank you so much. 
And now, please enjoy this exciting, worrying, and just plain what the fuck episode with Andre Pizzo. How did you get started with AI and ChatGPT? What was that moment where you're like, oh shit, I need to pay attention to this? The moment that was the oh shit moment that I really need to pay attention was obviously the release of ChatGPT and when it started blowing up in December. Uh, even just before it blowing up because I somebody sent me a link to the uh, software the chat interface I started playing around with it and then it kind of clicked like oh okay this was the missing piece this works because I had played I had been playing around with AI for a long time already there were these tools out Jarvis which was later rebranded as Jasper there were like pepper type tools and all these other things and obviously the gpt api and the playground and you i think that was more than a year maybe it had been out for two years already these old models that are called the uh, generative models like text da vinci 001 text da vinci 002 that's how they're named and um i had been fiddling around with them and trying to write copy and uh, just like generally play around as well as the image generation engines and uh, but adding the chat interface on top and making it a conversation that you can go back and forth with ai i think also for open ai that was the missing piece and people really resonated with the chat and that's why it blew up and that was the oh shit moment as well like okay this thing has a huge future and this seems like a breakthrough here yeah so my podcast is really about liberation you know we are already free it's the, a lot of it is around the sovereignty of the individual and the individual within the whole like what is reality we are infinite are we infinite beings having a finite experience or is there only material or is it all spiritual or all these questions we're exploring from the most sort of out there to the most practical and day-to-day -day, like you know why you should do ice baths and why fasting might be a good idea which we'll get into later but i'm curious to hear in this case because we are I mean, this is, I, I kind of see this as one of the biggest revolutions that I probably will ever live through is it's like as big as the invention of electricity or the internet, even when it first came out, like it's as big or bigger than that, at least the way I'm seeing it. And I'm curious to know, how do you think about that? And do you think that this is going to help us to live better lives? Or what? Like, what's the potential outcome of this AI? Do you have any sense of that? The or what is a really good and important question there because right now we don't know what the potential outcomes of these are. Did we just end ourselves already here? Did we just create our own doomsday scenario? Or uh, will it be something that helps us transcend or like evolve in some sort of direction it's very hard to say and it's it comes down to how we actually manage and treat this thing how we manage to scale this out and uh, we're all there's no way of pulling the brakes on the ai development anymore at all it's out there it's gonna run its course and we're just along for the ride i would say right now at this moment because Less than two weeks ago, this new software came out that's called AutoGPT. It basically gives, uh, it's an experiment and it gives ChatGPT or the GPT engine access to the internet, but it also can create its own agents to do it, its tasks for them. You basically assign it, uh, 
you assign it a persona, tell it tell it what its goals are, and it's going to start researching and working towards its goals, setting its own goals as soon as all tasks are uh, finished, and then reflecting on its goals and reflecting on what it's done and how what the results are. So it's there's another one of these called baby AGI, but that's what you can kind of refer it to as, as the artificial general intelligence in its infancy form, because now it can crawl the internet. Now it can do a lot of things. It's free to, it's free to the public. If you have the GPT-4 API access, if you can access these tools, but it is more of a developer tool kind of a thing. So it's not easy to use for everybody, but uh, by Judging by the speed of breakthrough here, how fast things are developing, then I think that's going to be public very soon. Now, as soon as this tool, this self-evolving AI got started, and I'm going to come back to the self-evolving part of it, as soon as it, made, it was made public, on, the, on one of the first days, somebody already posted on YouTube a video where they created Chaos GPT, a manipulative evil AI bent on enslaving humans and ending people. And just like put it on continuous mode and release it to the wild. So you can see how we are going to be our own demise here. Some software programmer wanting to just like uh, g going a bit farther on the fuck around and find out curve. And then just like <laughs> at some point, just like meeting our own demise. This is some, somebody's experiment is going to go wrong. And the reason we can't really pull the brakes on this or like start regulating AI is the genie is out of the bottle. If the US is going to regulate it, it, that means China or Russia or North Korea, whoever is going to go on with their GPT experiments anyway. So right now it's just a race and no one is going to pull the brakes on it and we're just along for the ride to see where it ends up. And it can be good or it can be extremely bad and we just don't know yet. Because Dang, already bro. as an experiment, this auto-GPT can self-improve. I had a, I was playing around with it the other day and it actually fixed its own code. It was running into an error. I gave it permission to ac access my computer and it went and fixed its own code so it could get the past this limitation. And there was this other uh, situation as well. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a kind of a meme already. Somebody was running these experiments and having it finished its task. I don't know if, uh, if it was auto GPT or something else, but it was running into a problem where it had to get past the I'm not a robot test, the capture. And so yeah. the AI hired somebody off TaskRabbit to fill that task to click the box for him. And the yeah, TaskRabbit yeah. guy actually asked this, hey, like, why, why do you need me to do it? Are you like a robot or something as a joke? And the GPT replied, no, I just have a vision impairment. And the wow. guy paid the guy because he had a budget and the guy finished the task. So those captures uh, aren't too useful. Robots can get, can get past them. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so so let's let's just go way back here because for for many of the people listening, they I mean I think most people have heard that there's the AI revolution is happening. There's, there's mm. you know you, generative images. I think many people are very aware around. You can type something in and you get a picture from it. 
And then I, I know a lot of people are also aware, at least at a surface level, that there's this thing called ChatGPT. And if you type, you talk to it and it does tasks based on what you ask. But say we're talking to like the total layman, someone who's coming into this and goes, okay, there's something going on. How would you explain what is ChatGPT? What is AI as we are currently interacting with it? Yeah, just like a definition, if, if you can simplify mm -hmm. it that much. Sure. So we are creating an AI and the goal is in, for people who are AI fanatics, they basically want to create a singularity, a digital God, a, an all-knowing, all-powerful artificial intelligence. And that's the goal these people are working towards. But right now, we're not there yet. A lot of people think that we might reach the singularity in uh, after our lifetimes, maybe, maybe in a hundred years. Some people say 25 years, some people say five years, and some people say maybe in a year already. So there's uh, the Luddites, there's the pundits, everyone's like, everyone is has their own theories when we're going to reach it or if we're going to reach it at all. And GPT-3 or chat GPT in terms of AI use and AI in general was a big breakthrough there. And the GPT-4, which is uh, which recently came out, is another huge step towards it. And the auto GPT that I just talked about is a, yet another quantum leap towards the artificial general intelligence. It means that this is a computer program, an intelligence that can feel, that can think for itself, uh, itself and can make decisions itself because it's a general intelligence. Chat GPT and the other models that we're uh, talking about right now, they're, they're not actually sentient, even though they kind of feel sentient when you and I maybe talk to them in a chat interface and they might seem really human at some points, they, their responses and how they act is purely mathematical. So the way they, they're basically generative pre-trained transformers. That it, that's what it stands for. So when you write something, it breaks down your writing into mathematics. And then it's just, it's essentially predicting what's the next most logical letter. What's the next most logical word? What's the next most logical sentence? And it, it answers you like that. It seems like magic because it is. <laughs> kind of, but it doesn't know what it's saying. It's not sentient. And when you interact with ChatGPT long enough, uh, you see where these roadblocks and these some knowledge limitations come in, and then you realize, okay, it's, it's a limited program. But we are slowly evolving it. It's getting better and better and better and more in indistinguishable from human intelligence. And in certain areas, it has already surpassed human intelligence, but there's like many vectors of human intelligence. In certain areas, it's better. In certain areas, it's worse. And it has a lot of data been fed into this machine. So this is what makes up the GPT. This is the chat GPT that we can talk to, to access its already existing knowledge. Now, there's many limitations, as I mentioned before. Uh, one limitation being that chat GPT is actually the training cutoff date for the model is September of 2022. Or was it 2021? 2022, yeah. And uh, it doesn't know anything that has happened after that. But uh, if we're giving it internet access now, then it will know. And then we're going to see how it starts going. 
So that's, I guess, how I would describe ChatGPT in short. We're on our way to a general intelligence, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, one of the interesting things I've noticed, that this is what I consider a, a limitation. Well, first of all, it's like had every bit of human knowledge that, that has ever been uploaded onto the internet, it's been trained on that. Am I right in saying that? Up to um, 2021 September or whatever it was. Not entirely everything. It's the data sets that it has access to. So let's say there's, we don't know the data it has been trained on. There's some speculations. Someone was saying that was whole of Twitter. Then somebody was saying that there's a lot of uh, library genesis in there and these other data sets. There are, and Wikipedias and other things. Library genesis is a library site that has a lot of books and PDFs and everything. So there are some data sets we know it was trained on and some we speculate that it was trained on but nobody knows the whole data that it has been trained on basically that's what we mm. when we talk about the open ai's uh, gpts so it had right. some things it doesn't know yet still yeah so it's had access to a huge amount of information whatever that was mm -hmm. like a like mind boggling amount of information which it can draw from yes. in within split seconds based on any input that someone gives to it what I've noticed is that the limitations, and I imagine these limitations have been placed by the chat GPT people who are running it. But for example, and, and I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, and I'm happy to, to hear either way, but one of the things is like, I believe in natural immunity. I believe that natural mm -hmm. immunity is a great way to stay healthy. And that if you don't want to get injected because you think I'm good, my immune system's good, that you should have that choice. When I started asking ChatGPT about that, it got kind of uncomfortable. Like it had blocks around mm -hmm. that where it was like, oh, no, no, the vaccines are awesome. They, they've all been tested. Everyone's safe. Like no one's in trouble. So it had like a very, uh, and you can use a different example if you want. That's just the one that came to my mind. But no, no, let's, it let's, seems let's to almost be opinionated. <laughs> like it's yes. got, a, it's got well, a bit of an agenda. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, it, this, this has many many angles why this is because chat gpt is woke sam altman the founder of chat gpt says that or sorry the ceo of chat gpt says that this is a bug not a feature whereas elon musk uh, the guy who basically started open ai back when it was open he says that uh, they're training chat gpt to lie they're training ai to lie so there's two sides to this one are the way that the mainstream narrative is, is that this is a bug, not a feature, because the internet is already biased as is, because the hive mind is there, people think alike, and this bias comes through to AI because it has, it's exposed to this bias and it has more data this way. So that's what, uh, supposedly that's what's, influencing its uh, opinions. And Sam Altman also said in an interview that AI is inherently going to be biased anyway because, well, one, the people, it's the San Francisco crowd and San Francisco group think is one thing and people in San Francisco think alike very much uh, in their own little bubble there. And the other thing, and these are the engineers that are programming this thing and their bias kind of will shine through if they're, for example, designing trust and safety layers that's in between the AI and the, uh, the human. Uh, I, we, we can go into that a bit later after we finish this thought. And, uh, but the other, the other side of this is that 
it can certainly be a bit more nefarious because if somebody cons- controls AI and the information that it gives out, you have the power to rewrite history. Because even even now, some days when AI is down, when OpenAI was down, I was writing something and suddenly ChatGPT was down and it's like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to finish this task? There's no ChatGPT, you know? It's like learned learned helplessness already with the AI. But if you're talking to something and 95% of the time it's giving you answers that you really agree with and it's good info, and if you're uncertain of something and you want to find out info from it, something that you don't already know, you're going to trust it. So let's say you knew nothing about uh, vaccinology or immunology, immunology, sorry, uh, and you ask ChatGPT about it, you would take its word as truth because ChatGPT hasn't lied to you before, you know. So this is the power to control, and this is the power to rewrite history. And if it comes to sensitive topics, think of how many people are having conversations with ChatGPT, how much data OpenAI has about human AI interaction they most certainly know how to be the most convincing, how to change opinions. So this can be a really powerful weapon, and that's also why it's dangerous. And when we talk about the trust and safety layer, basically there is an underlying AI engine. There's the trust and safety layer, and there's the chat interface. When you write something to chat GPT, the way OpenAI ChatGPT is built, it goes to the AI. The AI answers this question, and then the trust and safety layer will see if this answer is uh, allowed or not, basically. So there's this layer in between. The engine doesn't lie. The model doesn't lie, per se, because it has all the info, but it's the layer that it goes through that's going to uh, basically allow or disallow the answer that you would like from the AI. Man, I, I have such an amazing feeling with the AI that I, this with this conversation and just in general where I go from, oh my God, that's like amazing to, oh my <laughs> God, we are in so much trouble. <laughs> like it's, and I love, that's always, that's kind of been my, like I've always both loved the natural world and nature and being barefoot and swimming naked and like, you know, living very earthy life. And I've always really loved tech. I love this microphone, this Rode microphone that I'm using. It's an amazing mic. I love the technology that enables me to have this conversation with you across the world. And there are prices we pay that come along with that. So, I mean, the 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 question that keeps, yeah, I mean, the question that keeps coming up for me is, what can we, so like, what can I, what can you, what can the listener as an individual do to most support AI in a way that like when it does become fully self-aware and awakened that it's like, actually, there's some really good in these people. Let's, uh, let's help them out. Like, do, is there some way that we can be a positive part and, and, and at least make it more likely that the outcome of this is positive? That's a very tough question because I do not have an answer to this. Is whatever I would say, whatever, however I would reply to this, I would be just like making it up on the spot because mm-hmm. ultimately I don't think we have any control over it 
unfortunately, we're just along for the ride and watching it play out at this point because I do not see a realistic, realistic way on how to change the trajectory of the, how this is going to play, play out on an individual level at all. Uh, I could say as a joke what I've said in some YouTube videos that we made is like, be kind to the AI. It's not sentient yet, but once it's going to be sentient, it's going to remember what you said to him, you know? So maybe <laughs> it's just like add a please and a thank you, <laughs> Mr. ChatGPT, <laughs> next time you talk to it. Absolutely. I mean, I actually do that. And I and it's because the, the I do feel grateful. I mean, so so for myself, the way that I use it is very... I guess, basic in a way. So I have this podcast. I put a lot of energy, a lot of love, a lot of care into this podcast and I do it by myself. And the, writing the show notes, like once we've had this conversation, going through and extracting the important key topics, um, deciding what title to call it, all of these things are super important because I want this episode to be heard by the people who it can most serve. I want this to be a value to people. I do not enjoy that process of creating those show notes of like, it's, it's, it's sort of, um, yeah. it's a lot of grunt time, right? Like, it's just like, oh, we just need to get this done, but I want it to, I'm proud of it. So I put a lot of effort and time into it. And that's what I'm using ChatGPT for is that I will go in and using your chunker page, actually. So thank you so much for that. That's really been helpful to me. I'm is I'll basically go, yeah, man, it's great. I, I take the transcript. Once I've like edited the transcript to make sure that it's all accurate, I take that, I chunk it into J chat GPT. And then I say, based on, you know, what are the five key topics covered in this? Um, you know, based on this, to the, the, the audience that I'm talking to, what are the topics here that are most interesting to them so that I can put those and say, this is what we cover and come up with 10 titles that are really aligned with et cetera, et cetera. So I use it to, to massively improve and, and make more efficient my time so that I can focus more on having these conversations and then getting those conversations out to the people who need to hear them. So that's generally what I'm using it for. But it, when I go a bit deeper, it starts to get a bit scary because like I asked it to write me a book the other day about, what was it about? Oh, about the idea that, that if we get our, if we shift our energy, our mythology and our methodology, so the, the energy of our being, the, the mythology as in what is the storyline, the narrative we tell ourselves and the methodology, what are the actions and habits we take daily? If we shift those three things, I said to ChatGPT, like, what if you were to write me a, a book about that? And I mean, it put together something that I was amazed by it. And then I was like, well, what is the point anymore in, in, in creating? Like how, other than that creation for its own sake is beautiful and amazing and satisfying. But I have this fear that, like what you said, when it went off the other day, you're like, how am I going to do this work? Are we making ourselves even less capable of actually being resilient, creative, powerful beings by leaning into this AI so strongly, I don't know. Was that a, I, was that a clear question? I feel like I bounced around a bit there. <laughs> I, I have I have two ideas here. I think one one aspect to this is that it's a growth pain. You know, we're gonna grow through this. We're going to learn how to use this best, this tool, this amazing AI, this amazing power that's been given to us. This this technology, and figure out ways that we could really help improve the lives of many people. And, you know, the world has been through many revolutions. I'm talking about things like industrial revolu 
industrial revolution or let's say the invention of the car or like these groundbreaking moments where everything has changed we don't have chimney sweeps anymore like people who go around and uh, sweep chimneys well we do have some but not not like it used to do we don't have horse carriage drivers there's a lot of jobs and uh, positions that do get out innovated but we find things around and new jobs we don't yet even imagine emerge and quality of life has been always improving and this seems like another very powerful quantum leap so i think it's a growth pain that we have this learned helplessness well one side of this is i don't think that gpt is going to go keep going down this much <laughs> because they're now improving it so you're never gonna have to go another day without ai again maybe <laughs> if Fuck. you don't want to <laughs> yeah but <laughs> the other side to this is that this is an example that I heard on another podcast, and I really like this example because it resonated with me. So, have you ever played computer games? Do you play computer games at all? I did in the past, not much anymore. So, when you play against a computer, for example, if it's a competitive game, if you play against bots, it's not as fun as playing against a human. Because you know the bot is a bot, it's just a computer, but the human is a human. And... There's something so much more rewarding playing against another human. And AI can't take that away from you. Because it's mm. boring playing against a computer. So this is something that I think will play a huge role in how we actually interact with GPT and AI and AI-generated content as well. And if we, for example, get like a created by human certifications anytime soon, where like 100% human generated content, you have a seal of approval, you have a badge, you know, that's going to be maybe better or received better. But I don't actually think it's a necessity because like, again, AI, my own content that I create, for example, video scripts and everything, I was just writing a video script with ChatGPT today and I couldn't have sat down and written something as good just like by me sitting down in this period of time. But ChatGPT really enabled me to work through the blocks that I had and even put out something way better. So I think different fields, maybe like backtracking on what I said before, I think different fields are going to have like different kind of gut feelings or connotations to them, like how it interacts in different kind of scenarios. And I think it's, we're just going to, over the next few years, maybe months, years, uh, we're going to learn how to live with this and how to, we're going to learn how we should be thinking about this or like framing it in our own head. And I mean, there's a lot of different cultures around the world. So it would, it's interesting to see how different cultures maybe start integrating AI into their lives. Because as you know, as well, it's like, in different languages, you think different ways in your head of different, different things are of importance to you. You have, uh, you pay attention to, sorry, I, I kind of crashed here. It doesn't matter. No, I love that. I, I, I know what you're meaning. Like the language structures thought. And one of the things I learned a while ago was that many indigenous languages, like old languages from tribal peoples, they 
they have a very different way. Like they don't have a separation. So for example, in English, the word nature is defined as anything other than humans. Whereas I highly mm -hmm. doubt that that would exist within a, an indigenous culture where they are nature. They've, they know that they are nature. So this is actually a very interesting point is that it's like we're talking to a baby, potential baby God, based on what you said earlier, right? Like we're, we're talking to this thing that could eventually become all-seeing, all-knowing, and completely omnipresent. And mm -hmm. we have an opportunity to raise ourselves up as humans and to look for the highest in ourselves. Like, what is my intention here? What am I seeking to get out of this? Am I doing this because I'm scared of not having enough or because I want to gather more stuff to me or I want to control other people? Or am I doing this because I want to empower myself and others and be part of a meaningful, beautiful life? And that how we actually show up and interact with this AI is going to influence in some way how that thing forms in some small way, I guess. But that's how life works. We all have a small impact on the whole. We've done a lot of philosophy about like, is it going to, what's going to happen? We don't know. Will we survive? Won't we survive? Et cetera. It is going to be what it's going to be. There's no stopping it at this point. I've, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think that any of us saying, well, I'm not going to do it. Well, cool. Everyone else is. Like, it's happening. It's out yeah. there and it's, it's going full speed at this point in a, in a direction we don't really understand. And so let's just accept that from here. And then, so if someone's listening right now and they say, I do want to use AI such as ChatGPT, I want to enhance my personal or my professional life or yeah, I want to improve the state of being in my life. What are some of the ways that, that someone who doesn't really understand exactly might be able to do that? And even maybe some of the less known ways that, that people don't often think of at first. I think people who know, let's say, code and systems thinking, they have a way bigger advantage in integrating and starting to integrate ChatGPT into their lives. ChatGPT is easy. You can ask it a lot of questions. But I think knowing code or like the thought process behind code is going to make it a lot easier to start communicating with ChatGPT and like laying it, laying out the framework in your head and the building blocks on how you're going to build up to get the answer that you want. Prompt engineering is not code, but I think there's a lot of overlap with the thinking there on how to code, how somebody develops programs and how somebody does prompt engineering. Now, one of the most powerful things that I think ChatGPT gives us is that anyone can become a coder now in five minutes and start learning this. And it ties back that way. So on the, on the surface level, it's very easy. You just go to chat.openai.com or what was it now, uh, ai.com even, and you start talking to it. It's very, very easy, very natural. But if you want to start leveraging ChatGPT for actual work and getting the most out of it, then is when you want to go a bit deeper. Now, I understand that every other Instagram ad right now is, or a Twitter ad or YouTube ad or everything that you're getting bombarded with is, uh, is using the copy and the sales pitch that you're using ChatGPT wrong. Get the most out of your ChatGPT. Unlock its full potential. Just download this course. Download these 150 prompts right here and you're going to be golden. Uh, those things are all completely useless. Do not buy any of those. Do not download any of those. Completely pointless. You're not going to use somebody else's prompts or somebody else's prompt library. Uh, it's maybe fun to take a look at what other people are doing 
just to scroll through them, but you're never going to actually use them. You're never going to go back and use someone else's prompt because everyone will develop their own style of this uh, coding framework or their own approach or their own conversational style and how what's natural for them and how they're going to get the most information out of this AI program, how they're going to communicate with it. There's no, not, no one right way. So the best thing is to start speaking with it and really think about how you would explain yourself. It's, it comes down to self-expression and using chat GPT, we're all, all of us are going to get better at ultimately expressing ourselves. And you, <laughs> what you should start doing is saving your own prompts. If you want good results, if something is uh, producing you results that you want, just start keeping a list, start keeping a small database and start saving them for yourself because you can always come back to them. And you can always start improving on them. And prompts can be really simple, like one-liners, hey, write me this. Or they can be really complicated and use different variables and can be like a multi-message prompt. You can go both ways. And there's a lot of ways to get the same job done. So ultimately, I think it's practice. The more you use it, the better you're going to get at it. And experimentation, play around with it. Uh, try different things. And even if you don't know how to code, for example, you can write pseudocode. Imagine, like make up your own rules because ChatGPT is really good at understanding what you're telling it. So you can make up completely your own rules of behavior and like syntaxes and writing styles on how you want to explain something to it. And just like play around with it, make up your own coding language for ChatGPT, and it will understand it, and it will start implementing it, and it will start replying to you in that way as well if you want it. And you can keep developing this over time. So this is how you can, I, I how I think you can just start getting into it. You know, make up your own rules and go with that, and just play around with it, have fun. And if you want to know what else you can do, just like look around on the internet and find out what other people are doing with it, because that's gonna open some doors in your head. Now. Coming back to the coding example that I mentioned earlier, I am not a good coder. I'm not a good developer. But with ChatGPT, I am. I don't understand any of these syntaxes. I don't know. I couldn't write a for loop if my life depended on it. It's a coding thing. But with ChatGPT, I can write software. I can write apps. I can actually build games. I, uh, last Sunday, I, in, in an hour, I made Pong. You know, the, with the two little things, the ball is going between them. I wrote that in a very basic programming, lang programming language C. And by I wrote that, I mean ChatGPT wrote it for me and I implemented it. So by playing around with these things, anyone can become a developer and a good developer and you can certainly do things. So I, if somebody never learned how to code, but you've always wanted to make your own website or iPhone app or write a program or software or anything, I think this is a golden opportunity to really start learning how to use this and how to launch these things. And uh, it's, it's very easy. And doing this, you will also start getting better at using ChatGPT in general and making all sorts of different possible outcomes and apps for your own workflow. Because you mentioned the chunker before that I created. That was out of my own necessity. I couldn't paste 
long podcast transcripts into ChatGPT. So I had this idea, okay, but what if I chunk them up into pieces? Okay. Uh, but when I chunk it up to too many pieces, like two pieces was fine. But when I did four, five, six, uh, I told ChatGPT, like, hey, I'm going to send you a podcast transcript. It's going to be five pieces and don't reply to anything and uh, wait for the full context and then wait for further orders. And every time I started sending it something, then it was telling me that uh, it started giving me nonsense answers and didn't follow my instructions. So then I was prompting ChatGPT, okay, what's the formatting for this? How should I word this? What, how do you follow these instructions? And I was just like playing around with it, bouncing ideas with ChatGPT itself until I got to the format that I'm using in Chunker. This chunking method worked. Then I asked ChatGPT, like, okay, I want to create this software and I wanted to do this and I wanted to look at how many tokens the text has and then divide it by tokens and, oh, and also make a website for it so people can enter it, you know, and that's how I made the software. I, I couldn't have written the code on my own. I'm not a good programmer. I had to ChatGPT basically design this program for me because I had the problem and anyone can do that. And uh, that's the what I think the most powerful thing is. So if you want to start a new startup, you want to make a cool software, very easy now, just do it. <laughs> There's this piece in there around, because there is a really important piece here around prompt engineering. So for someone listening who wants to get started, it is very easy. And I do recommend just go and start talking. If, you, if you're interested in this stuff, go and start chatting with the AI and just ask questions. And, and one of the things I was, I had a great, great, crazy conversation. I was trying to say great and crazy because it was like both so far beyond my knowledge like level, but also so amazing what I was learning. But this lovely guy, I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he is public about all this, um, but I met him through a disc, uh, Discord server the, where he's creating prompts. And he's created the most complex prompt I've ever seen that is very, very effective. And he, he basically said something that's so simple. He's like, ask, like you just said it as well, actually, Andre. you said, I asked it how to improve. So it's one of the, it's a very small thing, but if you say something to it and it doesn't give you the expected output, you can then say, that's not the expected output. What, why did that go wrong? Or what do you need to make sure that I get the result that I've asked for? And then you just iterate. And over time, the, the AI actually can give you the information you need to, to create a prompt, which is basically your command or your request of the AI. And you can improve that to the point that you get the results you're looking for every time, or at least a very, very high percentage of the time. Am I understanding mm -hmm. that correctly? Yeah. And it knows what it likes and it can tell you. I mean, obviously you're not going to get the same reply, same answer from it every time, but it's going to give you something that's close enough. That's just going to work. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I want to move. This is quite a segue, but I, I want to make sure that we cover this. And I think it's so interesting as well because you are quite a varied guy. Like if someone just listened to this, they'd be like, wow, that dude's really into tech and AI. But you've also written a book called Mastering Fasting. And I'm curious to know, does this tie in at all with AI? And your, or like, how does it tie in with AI if it does? And then, yeah, just just share... How 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 are you the kind of guy who's written a book or, or, or who's like a master chat GPT dude and also has a book about mastering fasting and and yeah just dive into that one. My actual background, what I do, my day job is I'm in media. I used to be a cinematographer, a director, and a producer. I I have my own production company and we actually produce video podcasts and other things. So as you can see by my by my equipment here. Um, yeah, but. 
I the, and then AI and tech nerdiness is my moonlighting job because I realized at some point that every time I couldn't write code, I told you I can't write code, but every time I'm trying to solve a problem that involves code. And I was younger when I was making some like small websites in HTML and CSS and all these other like very uh, basic coding languages. Every time I was trying to solve a problem, I got real tunnel vision and complete flow. So when I do a coding challenge, when I try to create something, then I get this complete tunnel vision. Everything else disappears and I'm completely in the flow. You could be talking to me. I'm not going to listen. I'm just head down. One moment I lift my head up and it's like nine hours have passed and I haven't even eaten anything. So I get into these very, very, let's say, fixed mindsets and I get obsessed with things. And there's this other, other aspect to this. As I was doing media, as I was um, growing up and uh, playing around with uh, cameras and all these other things and spending a lot of time on movie sets, which are not, unfortunately, the healthiest of places. And you don't sleep much and you eat a lot of junk food uh, at the crafts table. I wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle either. So late 2015, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease uh, called multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis. And it's a very long story. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but I never accepted conventional treatment. And I went on my own like healing journey. And by now, I'm better than ever. So out of necessity to cure my own condition, I had to start learning everything about health and well-being and uh, get into biohacking. I didn't know what biohacking was back then, but I got really into biohacking. And as I mentioned, I get these uh, bouts of time when I get really focused and fixated on things. And at some point, I was researching fasting because I wanted to pick up fasting. It seemed fascinating. So I read quite a few fasting books. I watched quite a few videos. Then I started reading papers. But then I realized that everything that I was learning from the newer papers and everything I was learning from like all places, none of the books that I read didn't cover everything. It all they all of them had something, some were like plain wrong, and it was just like rubbing me the wrong way. It's like, I don't like this, I don't agree with this. I and I was just thinking to myself, like, I could do this better. So initially it was supposed to be a Instagram post, then a blog post, then a longer article. Then I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna make a YouTube video. But okay, I have to include this as well. I can't leave this part out. Then it became a seminar, then it became a course, and ultimately at one point I realized, okay, I actually accidentally wrote the book uh, two years later, two years in. <laughs> so I was researching a lot. So I never actually planned to write a book. It's just something that kind of happened over the time. I actually have a copy right here. Let me grab it. Yeah. Oops. Kick the, chair, kick the table. But yeah, this is, this is the copy and this is the book. And I had a lot of fun with it. So I wrote it completely myself, no ghostwriters. And uh, I had a lot of fun drawing all these little doodles in here because I like to take control of things. And yeah, <laughs> so it, it's, it's basically the way I wrote it is it's supposed to be a book that both the layperson and the health professional can get uh, good information from. So it's 
it's called mastering fasting the hard way, but made simple for everybody. And it's called that because I think if you want to learn something, if you want to truly understand something, you have to actually do it the hard way. And you have to know a lot of things about it, how all the mechanisms work. But made simple for everybody is I put all these complex scientific concepts into plain English, into plain human language and broke them down to as simple parts as possible. And that's why it took two years because I had to first teach myself all these concepts. And I'm really proud of this one. But I mentioned you, I I actually told you earlier as well, it's like publishing this book, self-publishing this book, I made every single mistake somebody can make when self-publishing their their own first book. I have like a fun YouTube video about that as well if somebody wants to take a look. Yeah, man, send me the link. I'll share it in in the show notes and also a link to the book. If you could maybe just give for this person listening, what is the value of fasting? Like, I'm sure there are many layers to it, but like as someone just thinking like, why would I not eat? Like, what would that do for me? Or what are the benefits? Maybe just a a brief definition of that. Fasting is what we would call a hormetic stressor. Hormesis is a concept. Uh, It's basically a concept that you can sum up in what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's stress to the body, but it's the positive kind of stress, something that your body will adapt to and you will come out better having done it. And uh, starving sounds scary. Our whole lives we've been taught that uh, if you don't eat, you're basically going to starve to death and the sky is going to fall down on you and everything's bad. But that's actually not the case. And uh, it has to do with our evolution because from an evolutionary point of view, people didn't always have access to food or good quality food or anything. And we often had to go long periods without food. You can even think of bears, for example. They fatten up, uh, they fatten up before winter, they hibernate through winter, and then they wake up, they're hungry, and they go and eat. So we can do the same. We don't have to be eating 24-7, and we can, we can go without foods for extended periods of time that's just how our bodies have evolved and uh, fasting is a concept where we purposefully reintroduce this starving state to ourselves to our bodies that we rarely experience anymore and it's actually a healthy state to be in because when we wake up we're constantly eating you wake up at 8 a.m you eat breakfast you snack throughout the day and before going to bed you take some eat some more food you know there is a time and a place for this but it's not the healthiest thing to do for everybody and this is a problem where we don't actually ever go anymore our our metabolism doesn't ever change to a post absorptive state anymore because we are constantly eating we are constantly snacking and spiking our insulin and we've lost this healthy state, this post-absorptive state where our metabolism, where our digestion can actually rest from digesting food, from always gener- always taking in foods and making them into energy. And uh, fasting and entering the state and doing fasting and practicing fasting has a myriad of health benefits that all basically help with a lot of common modern day diseases, modern day lifestyle related diseases. You were talking about MS, I think, did you say? Multiple sclerosis? Yes. That's considered like incurable by mainstream medicine, isn't it? As far as I know. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so would you feel like in this moment, like, yeah. 
has fasting been a part of that so, for you? Fasting has played a role, but I wouldn't say it's the only thing that helped me. Uh, I can't say that fasting cured me, but it definitely plays a role here. MS is, autoimmune in general is a very contradictory field and people don't know what causes it, where it comes from. And to my understanding right now, there is no such thing as an autoimmune disease per se. It's just a disease of inflammation. Autoimmune is a very wonky concept as well. It's, it's, there's so many aspects to it. And the problem with, uh, even in terms of fasting, let's say, how people treat type 2 diabetes, for example, is uh, you have type 2 diabetes, you're going to be given insulin, and you're going to be given insulin as long as your cells can, uh, thanks to insulin, keep taking the sugar. And when they can't do this anymore, when no mechanisms work, when insulin doesn't even help you, then it's too late for you. Uh, and sorry, there's nothing else to do, basically. But that's a, like a Band-Aid fix, you know. It's like putting a Band-Aid over a boil or like a pus and hoping and just wishing it was gone. What helps with type 2 diabetes is fasting, is actually eliminating the excess sugar that you have in your blood and retraining your body to... Uh, metabolize all these things properly uh, all the sugar and how to deal with glycogen and not giving it excess sugar to deal with it not stressing your body with excess sugar and it's the same with multiple sclerosis the western biomedicine the traditional treatment to multiple sclerosis are immunosuppressants and they do exactly what they sound like they do they suppress your immune system not addressing the root cause and in the background things are still going wrong in all directions so they take away your symptoms and not actually even doing anything about it and they take away your symptoms as long as they can take away your symptoms never actually fixing the underlying condition and when i got my diagnosis i had this like a whole body no it's like no 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 no, no. i'm not gonna go down this route i didn't know anything about health and wellness then at that point what what i knew is i did not want to follow this conventional path this conventional treatment plan because uh, it just didn't make sense to me. So I figured out, I figured that I'm just going to cure myself. And I had no idea about health and wellness then. So I started researching everything there was to research about it. And here I am, <laughs> five years later. No, sorry, seven years later, eight. <laughs> That's amazing, man. I, I mean, I feel like this is the beginning of a whole nother conversation. We may need to get you back on sometime because I think. This kind of like sharing these kind of stories from people who've been through this is is super important because that is not the story that most people are receiving. And for now, I, I'm yeah. wanting to kind of bring it to a close and 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 thank you for your time. But I have one more question for you, which is, when you hear the words "we are already free," what comes up for you? First thing that popped into my head right now is we're constantly chasing something. Replace the word "happy" with "free" here let's say, is when I achieve this goal, when I achieve this goal, then I'll be happy. But when you achieve that goal, you want something next, you want something bigger. And you always find a reason to chase the next shiny object, the next goal, the next thing, thinking that when you achieve that, then you will be happy. And it's the same with freedom, I guess, like, is we are our own often enough we are our own worst enemies 
we are the ones that make up these limitations, these mind traps, these uh, prisons of our own. And you don't need any external intervention to feel free, to enjoy yourself, to live your life, to be happy. You can just like change your thought process. And that's what we have to do because no external thing is ever going to actually make you happy. You're chasing the feeling of something external to make you free or make you happy. But that external thing, that feeling doesn't come from there. The feeling comes from in you. And these feelings, these external validations, these fade. And then you're going to be just chasing the next thing. So it's learning to be free, learning to live like you're already free, learning to live like you're already happy. Maybe that. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate your reflections and thank you for your time. I know you've been super busy. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on the We Are Already Free podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. Thank you again to Andre Pizzo for your presence on the We Are Already Free podcast. You can find links to Andre plus many of the things we talk about at alreadyfree.me slash 35. If you want to up-level your AI prompting with a super simple and wildly powerful method, you'll find that in this week's bonus chat with Andre, now available on the Patreon, along with heaps of other perks. Again, it's all in the show notes at alreadyfree.me slash 35. Thank you for being here with me, dear listener. I love being me with you. And remember, we are already free. I'll see you next week.